Oh, baby. Smooth as silk, baby. Goodness gracious. Jarrett Carlin on the ones and the twos, everybody. Uh, let me... So I just so I can get the uh, sponsor in here. Let me play that yeah, rejoin again. Go be... ahead. All right. Sun's Day brought to you by Coco Five. Weekly and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports uh, leader. A tasty beverage. You want to get that in there? <laughs> too many, too many dials and switches back here at the same time. Yeah, it's amazing that uh, 15 years on the job, you're still... Well, you know that. <laughs> when you briefly forget there's no Bickley Blast and you're about to hit something and then you got to quickly not hit Yeah, it. I mean, Bick's been gone for four, five straight shows now, yeah. so I know you were expecting him to show up. Yeah. Well, I also forgot I had to do the update until I hit the music. So Yeah, that's another thing. Uh, uh, okay. we, we started the show today real quick before we move on to Sun Celtics. Yeah. Um, Tim ring in. Sarah's out today, so Jared's doing the updates. Yes. When Jared does the updates, it's always an, an adventure, and, and take that as you will. It's a carnival. But we started the show today by actually applauding straightforward update man Jared Carlin at bright and early at 6 a.m. If you weren't listening at that time, listen to how professional. Good morning, everybody. I'm Jared Carlin on the Arizona Sports Desk, brought to you by Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Right? I mean, like, straightforward. Got right to the news. Good Best bullet stuff. points. In so- and out. Sounded a bit like Walter Cronkite. I believe uh, by the end of the 9.30 update, Jared will be so bored of doing updates. It's going to be lyrics. It's going to be it's poop, hard. poop jokes. It's hard because... Hey, look at me! <laughs> when you're at this hour, there's no... I mean, we had the Aaron Judge story that was actually one breaking news, but it's just sort of recapping the same thing over and over again. I, I give Sarah and the other update people throughout the day a lot of credit. They could be so professional just repeating the same stories. I am not that guy. <laughs> I already, I'm having I already, fun today, Jim. I already said this once. I'm going to say it goofier yeah, the anyway. second time. And- that Some was slapstick. That was classic, though. Uh, Suns and Celtics tonight, 8 o'clock. National television audience, the leaders of the West taking on the leaders of the East. The Suns could, I say could, have Chris Paul back tonight. The official injury report that was updated yesterday and even is updated a couple hours has Chris Paul and Tory Craig, who's missed the last three games, both being upgraded to questionable and you have to wonder why upgrade unless there's a chance, a really good chance Chris Paul is going to play. They've obviously taken their time with Chris Paul, not saying it wasn't a legitimate injury, but he's missed 14 games with what has been described officially only as heel soreness. If he can get back out there, I think it comes at the right time for a couple of reasons. For basketball reasons, that that would be obvious. Even if he can only give him 20 25 minutes, but I think the emotional lift of having your guy back out there, having your point guard, having one of your best players coming in a game like this, like, look, this is not this is not the Knicks on a Sunday afternoon. Okay, this is this is a marquee matchup, national TV, best in the East, best in the West, Boston Celtics, twenty and five, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. This is the game where you want to have your guns a blazing. So I think the emotional lift of having Chris Paul in uniform out there for the opening tip will do 
a lot for the Suns. Will it make a difference in the in the win loss deal tonight? I, I I don't know, but I think the timing is right. If he's if he's healthy and can go tonight, I, I think this is the game that you want to do it. Suns best home record in the NBA. Right now, 12 and 2. Only two losses at home. Only two losses at home. Celtics only two losses at home, but they've only won 11. Suns have won 12. By the way, those two losses at home by a combined two points, I believe. Combined two points? I think so. That Portland game where Jeremy Grant moonwalked out outside the yes. building and then hit the shot, that was a one point game, right? I, I could look it up. I have this internet machine in front of me. Were they down one when he hit that? Uh, or was the game tied? Take a look here. Anyway, and then it was a one-point loss to the Rockets, it was a right? Two, that was a two-point game. Right, because it was tied. Yeah. Because that would have really sucked if the Suns were up by one when he moonwalked out there. And then got the I'd be last, last two-minute report apology the next right. day. Right. I'd be still bitching about it today. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like if you rewind to November 7th when Chris Paul injured the, the heel in Philadelphia, a game that they went on to lose one of their lesser performances of the year as a team. And the, you, you knew at that point, he's going to miss the next 14 games. I think panic would have set in for a lot of Suns fans. But now, if if today is indeed the day Chris Paul returns, 9-5 and five in Chris Paul's absence and not the only guy missing, Cam Johnson gets hurt in that stretch. Um, you, you're out, Torrey Craig. You're down to your fourth power forward in, in your last game. I think, you know, what the Suns did, even to go 9-5 and five in that 14-game absence, is pretty commendable. And think about this. The first five games that Chris Paul missed, Vinny, they only won two. Mm-hmm. So they kind of they mucked around a little bit to find their way. And if any positive came out of this 14-game stretch, they did find their way. I thought Cam Payne established himself as a bona fide backup cor- uh, point guard. Again, uh, again, mm-hmm. and, and, and after some question marks, kind of floated to the top of the surface last year. I thought he he had a season high in assists a couple games ago with twelve. Uh, he found his scoring touch again, his ability to knock down the open three, got that floater going again. But to me, the biggest the the biggest positive that came from these fourteen games that Chris Paul was out was Da establishing himself as a number two score number two sidekick to Devin Booker Mm -hmm. to not only the tune of pretty good to the tune of the Western Conference player of the week with five consecutive monster games from a scoring and rebounding standpoint to me to me that that was the biggest the biggest emergence if you will from the stretch of no Chris Paul and obviously no Cam Johnson was DA rising to the occasion and and bringing it night in and night out. Yeah, took a step back a little bit in that Rockets game. Sure, but in that fourteen game stretch on Aiton, eighteen point one points, ten point six rebounds, shot sixty five percent from from the field, <clears throat> and seventy two percent from the line. And his free throws are slow slowly increasing. Getting to the line is with, slowly increasing. You know what's funny with Da? It's it's sometimes you you don't even look at these stats, Vinny, mm-hmm. because this, the old the old the old Da. The, the cliched analysis with DA, he could get 18 and 10 just by falling out of bed, right? And sometimes that's true. But to me, it, what, what, I look, what I look at with Aiton during this stretch, it was the impact of the play. Mm-hmm. It was the impact of what he did on the court. 
the force in which he asserted himself going to the basket, dunking the basketball, making impact plays at critical times. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't a hollow eighteen and ten. I mean, there were a few games there where like the numbers were like he had twenty eight and twenty one, you know, he had thirty and fifteen. I mean, th- these these were big time plays in critical moments where it was like this guy's arrived now. Yeah, and maybe his best two or three game stretch and. Maybe in his career, maybe. I don't think he has any other regular West. season. I mean, does he, he have he any other unbelievable stuff in that playoff run? The, the the playoff run was great, and does he have any other Western Conference Player of the Week? No trophies on his first one. on his mantle. Yeah. Does he does he have a mantle? <laughs> does he even have a mantle? Uh, I'm sure. He, well, they, right. I mean, think about that. Does Da even have a mantle? Max contract. Now he's got, he's got a mantle. Got a mantle. <laughs> uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, heading to State Farm Stadium on May 14th with the Strokes. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10, but you can win a pair of tickets now by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, some D-backs fans might have been bracing for Aaron Judge to land in the division. He's not landing. In the division. Breathe easy, and we'll get into some baseball hot stove concerning the D backs next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. There was an erroneous report that Aaron Judge was headed to the San Francisco Giants. It has since been recanted, but the fact is, in the lobby here at the winter meetings in San Diego, the buzz is all about where Aaron Judge is going to end up, and it seems almost imminent at this point that he's going to make a decision. I spoke with somebody involved with the situation who said things are heating up, and what that means ultimately is that Aaron Judge is going to get a contract for more than $300 million, and the American League MVP is going to be choosing in all likelihood between the New York Yankees and the San Francisco Giants. He's from California. He's played his entire career in New York. Aaron Judge has a big decision on his hands, but it's a decision that has yet to be made. That was ESPN's Jeff Passan yesterday, and yes, it was erroneously reported that Judge was on his way to San Francisco and then uh, recanted, as Jeff Passan said. He talked about it all heating up or boiled over today. Very early in our show, so right after 6 a.m., the news broke that Aaron Judge is staying put with the Yankees. A nine-year deal worth $360 Yeah, um, and it came down to three teams, the Yankees, the Giants, and the San Diego Padres. Again, were one of the final teams standing, and there are reports today, Tim, that the Padres went as high as three hundred and forty. Uh, oh, they went up to three hundred forty-two million dollars on Trey Turner, but they might have made an actual a bigger uh, offer to Aaron Judge than the Yankees got him for. The San Diego Padres. Well, that sucks because again, you knew you had to compete with the Dodgers and potentially the Giants as those big spending teams mm-hmm. in the division, and now it's the Padres too. If you're the Diamondbacks, I mean, they're they're the Padres are kind of making it really tough on the small market teams to blame small market teams on not spending big, are mm-hmm. they not? I mean, you're 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 at the table with the Dodgers and the the uh, Giants and I mean, the Yankees. They uh, haven't had to deal with the Soto deal yet, but they went out and they made that massive massive uh, acquisition. They've got Tatis, who is kind of the forgotten man now because of his off-the-field dealings. But Interesting. They, they've been incredibly, incredibly aggressive. Yes. You know, Judge is 30. Jerry, you, you mentioned it 
couple hours ago. I mean, it's a nine-year deal. Got to be 39 years old on the hook for it. But again, Trey Turner got an 11-year deal from the Philadelphia Phillies. They're all the expiration of these long-term, big, multi-hundred millions of dollar deals all have expiration dates when these players are late 30s at best or into their early 40s. And you thought in the post-steroid, post-PED era that teams would learn from that. I you look thought, at Albert Pujols, you look at Chris Davis. Alex you, Rodriguez, I thought, would be the, the cautionary tale for most major league teams not to go that long on contracts. And then he got another one after it. Plus, when Judge is 39, making $40 million a year, he'll be the 18th highest paid play, player in baseball. He'll be the 18th highest paid player on the Yankees. Yeah. But that, <laughs> it's also like those home run hitters don't usually age gracefully. No. But... Hey, listen, the last three years, 37, 38, 39, Judge may be kind of like a pool host has been the last three years. Or Miguel Cabrera. A Miguel Cabrera, only thinner. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> so here we are talking in, in Arizona about the Diamondbacks, and I think, you know, there's, there's three of us here today. I think to a, a man, I can speak for all of us, that the direction of the Diamondbacks is encouraging about around this young core. But the biggest storyline so far during the winter meetings with the Diamondbacks has been, yeah, they've been connected to some guys. But, you know, which of their young outfielders is most likely to be traded? You mentioned it earlier in the show, Tim. They have a collection of very talented outfielders who are all left-handed hitters. The left-handed hitter thing. Jake McCarthy, who was, you know, a, the most pleasant of surprises last year, finished high in the National League Rookie of the Year voting. You've got Dalton Varsho, who's coming off a year where he played predominantly outfield, hit 27 home runs. Corbin Carroll uh, was one of the top prospects in baseball, will be going into this year as well. And Alec Thomas, who kind of he beat Corbin Carroll to the major leagues and is a tremendous defensive center fielder, struggled with the bat. They've got to, if they're going to like one of those, and we haven't even mentioned Paven Smith, who's also in that mix, a first baseman turned outfielder, left-handed hitter. I think they'll probably unload him too. But of those four, I don't know who I would want to see go. I definitely don't want to see Carroll go. Well, yeah, let's do it that way. Yeah. Who's not getting traded? You don't and, trade. and work your way up to, to, to come up with maybe, maybe the answer. Yeah, you don't trade Corbin Carroll. So he's not getting dealt. I mean, he's, and then after that, and then it gets really hard. If you're doing specifically, I mean, if you're saying literally on the entire team, it's probably only Corbin Carroll and Zach Gallen and and anybody else you would think would be on the table. My my guess is Alec Thomas yields the best return, probably. Even though he, so Alec Thomas was the one that got sent down last year, he did, but his ceiling is also incredibly high. And they're all five. They're all like five ten. Yeah, and McCarthy is kind of a guy that I think is closer to his ceiling. What he showed last year, because he was not the prospect. The other three guys were hot prospects at different points of their career as well. I like McCarthy too, though. But I, I love the way he plays. Yeah, I love the way he plays. But I think I think you got to look at it sort of what Vince was saying: like who has the highest ceiling? Because that's what you're looking for going forward. Is you're you're trying to build a championship team in two or three years, right? So you want the guys with the high ceilings. You do, but you don't want a lot of guys. You know, again, like right, the David Peraltas of the world that are going to just turn into like good, solid players, but never get you that far. Right, but other teams have scouting departments, and sometimes, aside from Corbin Carroll, the guy with the highest ceiling might get you the best player. In That's return. true, too. So you might, it's a game of 
chest. Yeah, Jake McCarthy is high is closer to his ceiling as a player, and it's it was really good again last year. But what does he get you in return? Probably not as much as an Alec Thomas. And then you throw in Kyle Lewis, and I don't know where where he's at with his. I mean, is he closer to the guy who won the Rookie of the Year a couple of years ago, or is he closer to a guy that? Was maybe a one-hit wonder or a one-year wonder, and it wasn't even a full. I mean, he he got he won the rookie of the year in the sixty-game season. He did right, but he still won the rookie of the year. So he like he he looked like he was going to be a, a a ball player. And on top of all that, what are they trying to get back in return? Even in this trade, where they get rid of an outfielder? Well, I mean, they've been they've been linked to the Bogarts thing, so maybe a shortstop. Um, Nick Ahmed's future appears to be very murky with all the injuries. We saw a full year of Geraldo Perdomo, who, you know, I think still has some upside, but has you know not proven himself to be can't a major hit, league hitter. Can't hit, yeah. yeah. They need a catcher. Yes, I'm they do. For a catcher, yes, they do. Could always use more pitching. Always. The list is long. Yeah, but these three hundred million dollar deals that are just being thrown out willy nilly. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> the crazy. Meetings. It, it, baseball in that sense is back. This is this is the winter meetings. Like it used to be five, six years ago. Because nothing used to happen. Free agency started in crickets the last few years. The last few years, and we're saying, did baseball completely change the way they're going to go after free agents? There was big free agents that were almost lasting until spring training. Yeah. Now it's just Tim, throwing money out there. Every, you're a Chicago guy. Are you a Cubs fan? I, I am, and I am. Are you excited about Bellinger? Not as much. No. I mean, a couple of years ago, I would have been. Yeah. He's had two bad years in a row. He's had three bad years in a row. Has he? Yeah. Is, it, is it up to three now? Yeah. Yeah. It better, a little bit better last year, but he can't hit anymore. He's sitting like I mean, so 200 every year. Great fielder. Batting average is just a overrated statistic. That's true, though. He also doesn't get on base. <laughs> Which is not an underrated statistic. But he's a great fielder, and he has power. Coming up next, our weekly visit with the legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy. Al About the Suns is next. Oh, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings, brother. live from the Chain Community Studios, with Tim Ring in today for Bick on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. CP3 for three. Al, about the Suns. Hall of Famer Suns broadcaster Al McCoy calls in to talk Suns with Bickley and Murata. Suns win. The Suns win. Al, about the Suns. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Every Wednesday we have the pleasure of talking to the Hall of Famer, the legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, who joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Al. Well, good morning, gentlemen. It's a, a special day, a special night, because the Boston Celtics are in town, and uh, that always makes us kind of something special. Yeah, especially when they're playing as well as they are. And we'll get to Boston. I wanted to ask you about what's transpired recently with the Suns, Al. And we all know, we've watched this game long enough to know that over the course of 82 games, even the best teams in the NBA are going to have those stinker nights, those nights that you just can't explain why things happen the way they did. And one of those occurred for the Suns the other night in Dallas against the Mavericks. And I think if it's any other team that that um, occurs against, Al, we're probably not putting any stock into it. But because it's Dallas and because of that playoff exit, I think it's got some people worried. Where, where is your concern level from that game? Well, let's start with the fact that for some reason, uh, this uh, just exactly what you're describing is happening around the NBA on a very, uh, very uh, real situation. I mean, almost uh, every 
ninth when we pick up the scores of other games, we'll see where some team that hasn't won hardly any games has gone into Milwaukee and got a win. Mm -hmm. Or we've seen where a Houston team that surprised the Suns that goes into Philadelphia and gets a win. And uh, it, it just seems to be a kind of commonplace around the NBA. And it's become more apparent in recent years. I don't know why, uh, because uh, I don't want to get into this, but as you know, when I go back and I start in the NBA, players are playing four games and four nights mm -hmm. and, and traveling in cars and cabs <laughs> and buses and whatever, and uh, seem to be playing every night. But for some reason, this seems to happen, that just on certain nights, players just uh, don't reach their peak. Okay, now let's get to the Suns and to uh, Dallas. You have to credit Jason Kidd a little bit because he kind of has the number of the Suns. He knows how to play them and play them well, and he's shown that. But the other strong thing that we have to mention is the injuries are starting to catch up with the Suns. I mean, your bench is going to come in and be helpful, but you can't uh, bank on that or plan on that every game. It just isn't going to happen. Yeah. The Suns have had some games where the bench, the second unit, has come in and really save the day, but you can't plan on that. And right now, with three starters out, it's starting to catch up with them. Well, speaking of that, Al, Chris Paul and Torrey Craig are both questionable tonight for the Celtics game. We don't know if they're going to play. So, Al, let me just give you a broad question here. If and when Chris Paul gets back into that lineup, what do you think that will mean, big picture for the Suns, in terms of expectations early on, Chris's minutes, uh, the emotional lift, if you will, getting Chris Paul back and starting to play as a whole again for the Phoenix Suns to get their leader back at point guard? Well, Tim, as you mentioned, it'll be a big emotional lift, no question about it. It means that uh, he will be there to run the offense, to keep the ball moving, to keep the offense moving, uh, to uh, hit a shot when it's needed. Uh, it's just going to give them that confidence factor that is kind of slipping a little bit and uh, certainly is going to help them uh, in, the, in the guard department because, uh, let's face it, Cameron Payne has been forced to play a lot of minutes. We talked about that second unit. Uh, I mean, they're going to help you some nights, but not every night. But hopefully Chris Paul will come back as CP3, as he normally is, and uh, pick things up. That's certainly the plan, but when? I mean, you know, how, how long can we keep asking? When is Chris Paul going to be back? Uh, I don't know. It's wait and see time. Yep. Al McCoy uh, joins us every Wednesday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. You mentioned uh, campaign and, and how he's played more minutes, certainly uh, averaging 31 and a half minutes in the 14 starts he's made in Chris Paul's absence. But Tim and I were talking about this earlier. I'm hoping, and I, I really think it's possible, Al, that one of the benefits of this prolonged absence from Chris Paul is that the confidence level of, of Cameron Payne is built back up. You know, two years ago when the Suns went to the finals, he was very instrumental in that. Last year, I don't think he played with the same efficiency and effectiveness, but he was very good in that starting role. Uh, what can you say about the play of campaign in the absence of Chris Paul? Well, that's a very good point, and I, I would agree wholeheartedly. And I think he's done a tremendous job, and uh, I think it is only going to strengthen his game overall. I, I would agree entirely with you. Again, I go back to the fact that uh, you just can't depend on your second unit every night. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Suns have had to do, missing uh, – 
and now Tory Craig on that list also, missing these players. There are going to be nights when you're going to luck out, and uh, Darian Lee's going to come in and knock down threes like he's crazy, and other people are going to come in and step up. But you can't just depend on that second unit to do it every night. If they were doing it every night, they'd be starters. And uh, as I said, things have kind of started to catch up with the Suns over the last 10 days, I think, because of that. Al, uh, in addition to the play of Cameron Payne during this stretch, how encouraged have you been out of the play of DeAndre Ayton during this stretch? Western Conference Player of the Week for the first time in his career. Had a little bit of a hiccup against the Rockets in that home loss, but some of the numbers he's been putting up have just been tremendous. But it goes beyond the numbers. I think the force in which he has asserted himself offensively has been very impressive for D.A. Well, you know, Tim, I feel strongly about D.A. that he's a contributor. I always like to see him be a bigger contributor, but he has to get the basketball. Now, I was concerned in the Dallas game that uh, the Suns going in knew they had a presence inside with DeAndre Ayton that would be very difficult for Dallas to match up with. And they went to him early and then forgot about him. He has to get the basketball to be effective now. He'll do other things. Uh, He'll uh, follow up shots. He'll get some rebounds. He'll uh, play some defense. But uh, when you have him uh, with a matchup in your favor, you've got to get him the basketball. And uh, I I thought for some reason in the Dallas game they did it early and then uh, just kind of forgot about it. Al McCoy, uh, Hall of Famer. Joins us every Wednesday to talk Suns basketball here on Bickley and Murata mornings. Before we let you go, Al, wanna, uh, you kind of went back and talked about what the conditions were like uh, earlier in, in the NBA and four games and four days and all of those things. And you could count on what players were going to be on the court from night to night. Things have changed in a big way, but they haven't changed totally. And I'm I'm pointing at Mikel Bridges, who's you know the iron the current Iron Man of the NBA. And when he got banged up and banged up that knee, and I think it was at the the tail end of the Houston game, I had fears that, uh uh-oh, this doesn't look good for Mikel Bridges. Maybe he'll finally break that streak. He doesn't, not not only does he not miss any time, but he plays with the same effectiveness. For somebody like you, how much do you appreciate the mindset uh, and the availability of Mikel Bridges in 2022? Well, he's special. He's special. No mistake about it. Uh, Look what he did for Villanova. He's done the same thing since he's been in the NBA. You'd just like to have a lot more like him. But he he is a contributor. Uh, I think uh, now they're calling on him to score more, and I think he stepped up in that role. But uh, he's uh, he's a savior, and uh, he's just a great great competitor, a great player, a great person. Hey, Al, real quick before we let you go, whenever these Suns play the Celtics, you're you're one of a handful of people on the planet qualified to answer this. Do your (laughs) thoughts ever drift back to 1976 when the Suns play the Celtics? You better believe it. Yeah. From the opening tip on. And what are those thoughts? No question about it. What are those thoughts, Al? Give me a story. (laughs) Well, you know the the age-old story. Uh, when we went to to Boston uh, for that uh, big game that turned into the triple overtime game, I got to my broadcast location at the old Boston Garden and found out that they had sold the seats around my broadcast location <laughs> to fans. And uh, when the game started, these three young men came in and they had uh, their six packs of beer, their bottles of wine, their chips and dip, and they were having a real party. Oh, man. And sitting right next to me doing the broadcast. And every time uh, Dave Collins would hit a big shot or 
uh, one of the other players, I'd get a big elbow on my arm saying, how about that, sports fan? <laughs> well, uh, when uh, Gar Hurd hit the shot, hit around the world, the guy jumped up and passed out on my lap. And uh, that was the story in Boston Garden. I realized then that this play-by-play job in the NBA was going to be a little more dangerous than when I took it off. Oh, wow. Man, that is great. And what was the approximate temperature in the garden that night, Al? Uh, well, it was very warm because it was an unusual warm day yep. in Boston and uh, no air conditioning. So it was very uncomfortable, very hot, very, yeah. very hot. I remember oh, reading man. the reports and watching that the, the rebroadcast of that game and they talked about how hot, how hot it was. That's a, such a great story. Al, you're the best, man. Thanks, Thanks so much Al. for uh, joining us. We'll see you out there tonight. Okay, and let's look for a win. You yes, got it. Always. Al McCoy, Al about the Suns, the legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns. Joins us every Wednesday. Good pull, Tim, getting that out of him. I never knew a fan passed out on Al's lap after Garhard shot. <laughs> a lot of people passed out after that shot, I'm pretty sure. I don't uh, think Tim Kempton's ever passed out on Al, but... No, no. If somebody hits a big shot tonight, maybe. That, those were the days, Vinny. <laughs> the 70s. <laughs> a much different animal. And, and, uh, by, by the way... Don't gloss over the fact fans brought their own beer and wine into the garden back in the day in their <laughs> chips and dip. <laughs> Coming up next, uh, Cliff Kingsbury of the Arizona Cardinals getting ready for a game against a team from the Boston area themselves. We'll get into the latest with the Arizona Cardinals and some coaching rumors in the NFL. Next, Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It, it doesn't. Uh, these guys are professionals, and they show up, and you know it's week to week, and, and uh, they want to make sure that we play our best football these these last five weeks. And start, it starts with the Monday night national football. I mean, national TV, um, greatest coach of all time, and so they understand what's in front of them. And um, so, yeah, there, there's really no change in anyone's motivation to show up and be the best you can be. Yeah, it's Cliff Kingsbury yesterday talking with the media ahead of the Week 14 Monday night matchup against the Patriots. Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, according to Cliff Kingsbury. I think a lot of people would agree with that. The subject there, though, um, you know, does motivating players at this point, uh, this late in the season, does that change? Does the the task of that change? He says no. We'll find out. Um, You know, well, they're not going to be motivated because it's national TV. No, not at I all. Mean, I don't, I, Cliff is reaching. They're playing for I mean, pride, on. according to Calvin Beecham. Then we had a kick out of the, the soundbite we played yesterday. Uh, at this point, sometimes you got to play for the name on the back of the jersey as opposed to the name on the front of the jersey. That was a good one because you're playing for for personal pride. This season hasn't gone the way anybody wanted it to. Um, and can can they salvage something in these last five weeks? I think is the big burning question, which is not all that interesting of a burning question at this point of the season, quite honestly. It's tough because everybody loves the National Football League, and everybody listening to this radio show right now probably loves the Arizona Cardinals, and you want to sit down on Sunday and you want your team to play well, and you want to be entertained and you want to see some growth and you want to see a bunch of guys go out there and put it on the line every Sunday. And we've seen teams pull apart in December Mm -hmm. and kind of mail it in because they have nothing to play for. And you're wondering which way are the Cardinals going to go? Are they going to fight? Are they going to compete? Are they going to play for each other? Are they going to try to win football games? Are they going to grow? Are they going to get better? Mm -hmm. Or are they going to pull apart? And it's really hard to ascertain 
the answer by listening to press conferences. Because it's all pretty much BS and just talk at this point. You're gonna, you're, you're, we're going to get the Fair. answer on Monday, mm-hmm. and then we're going to get another answer the Sunday after that. Yes. And then we're going to get another answer the Sunday after that. Yes. We're not going to get answers on Monday and Wednesday and Thursday. We're going to get answers on the field. So we'll see. And we're, I'm excited to see certain aspects of this football team still. I want to see another game with Hollywood and Hop out there. And I want to see Kyler Murray every single game going forward. I want to see him throw the football down the field. In, in terms of the guy we just played the soundbite from, though, Cliff Kingsbury, contract extension in place. They're 4-8. and eight. There's a lot of people calling for Cliff Kingsbury's job. Fans, national media. Do you think with five games left that Cliff Kingsbury still has – do you think he's in save-his-job mode at this point? I, I don't think he's there right now. But I Something think could, dramatic would have to happen. I think, okay. I think if, if things go real bad in these last five games, we could get there. If they lose all five mm-hmm. and they're 4-13, and 13, not competitive, mm-hmm. I would have to... <laughs> it would take that dramatic... Like, like It reminds me of like Ken Wisenhunt was not that far removed from the Super Bowl run. And it, was, and it really took things getting so bad that there was no other option to make a move. Yeah. You like lose a game... Fifty-eight, nothing. Yeah. You are absolutely embarrassed, and not just that. It was that was on the end of what they lost, like nine in their last ten or something like that. Something everybody has to think about, though. And I, I don't know if Mike has made a decision yet on Cliff. He he may have already made a decision. Uh, either way, mind you, no matter what happens here, the decision has already been made. Mm-hmm. But some of the issues here also go beyond the win loss record. This has been a very embarrassing season for the organization. You've got an assistant coach running amok in Mexico City, Mexican authorities involved, Mm -hmm. fired on the spot, sent home on the plane. You've got a running back going after an assistant coach, essentially getting fired, terminated, cut. Well, they fired a coach. We think that happened. They fired a coach in the the preseason. In the preseason, they fired a coach also. Eno got into it with an assistant coach. I don't know what to what level he got into it, but it was to the point where he had to be released immediately. Mm-hmm. Not suspended, not benched, cut. You're losing games. You got your quarterback cussing out a coach on the sidelines. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on yeah. with this football team. And one of the things going on on the outside is these rumblings of coaches that maybe want to get back into the profession. Somebody like Sean Payton, who a couple weeks ago on Colin Cowherd's show uh, revealed this lifelong connection to the Cardinals organization because he worked as a ball boy for the St. Louis Cardinals during training camp. So that got everybody's wheels spinning. Hey, Sean Payton wants to come back. Sean Payton was on the Let's Go podcast, the Jim Gray, Tom Brady, Larry Fitzgerald vehicle. Uh, and he says, yeah, he wants to definitely get back in. I don't like to see or look at coaches that are currently working and predict like what, what jobs will be open. Our league's kind of funny. It, it, there's always a lot of turnover, it seems, more and more now. You know, average of, of six, about six or seven teams a year. So we'll kind of see what happens. But uh, but sooner than later, though, Jim, in fairness to that question, I, I, I think that, you know, if not this year, hopefully next year. I'm- and what would sway the decision on where to go if you do have the opportunity to go back, Sean Payton? I know that I want to coach again. And, and I, it's not really been a, a secret. But I want to find the right spot. And as Tom alluded to, you know, 
it's still about the people because uh, when it's all done and it's quiet, it, it, I, I don't think it's the, uh, the the money or the crowd cheers or the trophies or any of that other stuff. I think it's about the, the journey with the people that you really enjoy. All right. Do the Arizona Cardinals, if that job opens up, which I still think it will not. Do they have the people, namely the quarterback situation with Kyler Murray? He's not going anywhere. Sean Payton, look at Kyler Murray as a guy that he looks at him and says, that's the guy I want to work with because I know I can maximize his potential. Right. Well, I mean, what, what, what are the what are the other options? I mean, do you want to do you want to live on the Pacific Ocean and coach Justin Herbert or do you want to live in the Valley and coach Kyler Murray? I mean, if those are his options, money being equal. I know what I would do, and it ain't here. No. It ain't here. Well, those char- are my options. And the Chargers, from a talent standpoint, are a lot closer to, to, to being Super Bowl. I also... No-brainer. No-brainer. Uh, I mean, the Cardinals made the playoffs last year. The Chargers did not make the playoffs last year or potentially this year. I, I, I'm, I I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Everyone I'm, loves the Chargers so much every year for some reason. Oh, sorry, Jared, Jared, Jared Carlin does I know, not me. Well, I mean, I'm just... I'm, I, you're looking at those two quarterbacks? Who would you rather coach? Well, let's not I, 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 get into that right now. I, I do wonder. I do wonder if there. I do wonder if there is a thing where the Cardinals would would fire Cliff Kingsbury, but only for Sean Payton. Here's the other thing. That's a, uh, it, well, that's there, a question there, too. There, there's the, and there and there's that factor, and we've talked about that before. I mean, if if you're Mike, and you got to look at it like through his his eyes because that's all that matters like like if cliff if you're trying to make a decision like what what he does in these five games i mean does that should that that shouldn't matter uh cliff if you, you got to go three and two or you got to go four like what that really mm-hmm. that should not matter well, but that's, that's why I'm saying it's more if the team quits on the coach or not. If they're competitive and, and the offense starts looking better, it doesn't really matter what happens. But if it doesn't and you bring him back and then you're in a situation where it's not better at the beginning of next year. And like, we, well, we just saw it with ASU. They made an early season coaching change that affected two seasons. Do you want to fire your coach in right. week four next year? Like if Cliff, if Cliff goes 5-0. and oh, Then it's a no-brainer. He's coming back. But I think at that point you could always say he was always coming back. Mm-hmm. You still might. I see. Uh, we got so many thoughts. We, we and we got two more shows this week. We, <laughs> we can go down this road. Plus, again. we got a social studies question. Like, I guess I'm, I'm saying you're up. you're either all in on Cliff right now or you're out. If you're my, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Here, uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Well, Maybe we will get back into this. Yeah, stay here. tuned for social studies. You could expand on your look, thoughts. Look at that tease from Jared Carlin. He's doing it all today. Yeah. And he'll take us through Too some much. social studies. <laughs> Sarah, come back. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here in uh, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.